there. Welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with Head of Development at Giant Space Cap, Brianna Wu. How you doing, Bri? What's crack-a-lacking? That's it? You don't have any You don't have any opening statements? No nonsense. Or... We've got so much to get through this week. I'm just going to forego like, the, the 20 minutes of nonsense, like accusing George Adal of being a serial killer or giving Danielle a hard time about the mini game review she posted this year on Polygon I didn't re- agree with. I'm just going to forego all of that today, and let's just get to the meat of the show. Okay. Well, this is our all Game right. of the Year show, so we yeah. have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. So uh, we also have assistant games editor at Pace Magazine, Maddie Myers. How are you doing, Maddie? I'm doing okay, Steve. I, I feel a little bit like I didn't do all my homework because there are roughly 3,000 games on this list, <laughs> and I only played the amount of them that a human being can play, unlike the <laughs> goddesses who are here today. So I'm just going to try to pull my weight today. I'm excited. I feel suspiciously like every time I do a fantasy football draft and I'm just like completely unprepared and I just go into it anyway. So I'm kind of doing that. I played as many games as I could before today, though. I promise you that. We also have a psychotherapist by day and a senior editor from iMore.com by night and host of the Vector podcast and falconry expert and uh, <laughs> and, and suspected serial killer, Georgia Dow. How are you doing, Georgia? <laughs> A legend, maybe? A legend. How did that suddenly become part of my intro? Killer. <laughs> oh, Daniel, I love that. Um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little nervous. I'm wearing my Snuggies. I've been wearing, like, my, my pajamas what? all day today. What? Just to get... I have. Totally You're all day. You're wearing a Snuggie as well. This is not Casual this. Friday, Georgia. It is for me. <laughs> all right. It I don't know that Georgia's right taking right? this very seriously. I, I Georgia, don't know that. I always imagine you wearing like a top hat as we're recording, <laughs> and you're wearing a snuggie. I totally know why you think that too, <laughs> because that's what we, last time we were together. That's what we wore. That's right. We top did hats. wear top hats. That's actually it's not true. even a. That's it not sounds even like a, joke. a lie, but it's true. It's, it's embarrassing true. but true. <laughs> anyway, we got a lot of we, we got, we a, lot got of a lot to do, to and we have two two amazing guests joining us because this this is so important that we cannot leave it to our wacky ways by ourselves. So we have a uh, columnist from Pace Magazine, Gita Jackson. Welcome to the show for the first time, Gita. Hi, thank you for having me. I listen to this show all the time at my day job, and it's nice to be on it. Although that means I can't listen to it at my day job this week. So you can listen, you listen to yourself on the show. Is that can too I listen to myself? No, I just don't like oh. the sound of my, it's, my voice. It's really hard to listen to yourself. Oh, Danielle, I need to just tape you and listen to you later on, too. <laughs> so, so that other voice that you heard is uh, senior reviewer and Rhode Island correspondent for Polygon, uh, Danielle Riendo. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I was told to do this in my natural Rhode Island accent, so I'm going to, unless it, uh, it's too distracting, and then I'll go back to my, uh, my California lilt. But I think I'll probably do the whole thing in my accent. So thank you so much for having me. I think you should. You should. Are you that. sipping some Dell's frozen lemonade while you're? Uh, while oh, you're doing... you know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got all my presents from Rhode Island, and I definitely got some Rhode Island treats uh, from my uh, from my mother. So, yeah, I'm oh, definitely uh, enjoying all my uh, Christmassy goodness right here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people need to go back and listen to the episode that Danielle guested on where she was speaking in her California accent so that they understand that this is different. And that I this think is that she's actually person. punking us. 
Could she be punky? No, I know that she isn't because I hear her do this all the time. So I know that this is real. (laughs) It is. It is real. Yeah. Do you find that when you're really tired, your accent comes out more? Because like when I'm working, it's two o'clock in the morning. And that's when I just I'll start talking to Frank just like this. And it's just (laughs) I try not to do it. I'm so cognizant of it. I don't know. It's totally true. Well, it's it's kind of funny. Like, uh, so I, I grew up in Rhode Island. I've had a thick accent my whole life. And then my friends in college made fun of me for having my accent. And I felt bad about it. And I started hiding my Aww. accent. And I started feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to sound like I'm smart and educated. And then sort of, you know, last couple of years of my life, like, uh, you know, I've been living in California and I miss my accent a little bit. I miss, you know, hearing it. And people are like, well, where's your accent? I'm like, well, I can just do it. And you know, I feel like, oh, it's kind of nice. It's kind of like letting my hair down a little bit when yeah. I get to speak sort of the way I normally speak. So, yeah. That's what you can do on our podcast is let your yeah, hair down. Yeah, let your hair down. Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> nobody ever judges you for mispronouncing things on this podcast ever. <laughs> no, like that's that. true. <laughs> that's actually not true. <laughs> that's not true oh. at all. Steve has an accent as well, and he's constantly being shamed for it. Oh. He pronounces Mario Mario. I can't even say it. The way oh, that, is that a New York thing? It's, it's, well, York? I was, I'm from Jersey, so yeah, that's okay. probably a New Jersey, New York thing. Many people We, we do say in. Mario where I'm from, but I, I understand. I, I've known many people in the Northeast who said Mario, for sure. The Mario thing has been a huge point of contention on our show, and it will not be resolved this year. So anyway... <laughs> so, so anyway, speaking of things that are disappointing... Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. Oh, that, that was, was nice. Well done. So we, we're going to start with our. We're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. So we're going to start by trying to decide what the biggest disappointment for uh, 2014 was. I think we should call this one called the the Fanda poop. The Fanda, yeah, Georgia the Fanda came poop. up with that for some reason, and it's really strange. So we're going to go with that. No judgment. Is it a crystal poop? <laughs> what? I don't know. Like unicorns? You mean? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It's supposed to be bad. If it was crystal, it would be awesome. That would have okay. to be like we could call that like you know for the winners, the game of the year award. I don't know. Consumers gives out like a golden poop award for their like worst company of the year. So you know. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, hey. All right. So uh, <laughs> we have a number of things that we can argue about on this list. Um, we have Dragon Age Inquisition, which I'm sure. Bree put this on there, and I, I, I want to I I hear her reasoning. So okay. we have well, – I'll go through the nominees, and then we can talk about them. So we have Lightning Returns. The nominees Titan, are? Titanfall, uh, Destiny, uh, Far Cry 4, Assassin's Creed Unity, and Watch Dogs. So this, this, this could be sponsored by Ubisoft, this, uh, <laughs> this category. The Ubisoft award. Oh, God. Oh. That's what it'll be called. Oh. Oh. We lost Mean. a sponsor already. Uh, yeah, I don't think that was happening. I don't think Ubisoft was going to buy a spot on our show. Really? I, I thought not. they were. That would really change the tone of our show if Ubisoft sponsored I, it. And not in a good no, way. No, We wouldn't be able to no. talk <laughs> 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 games. Sorry, we have no subjects this week we could talk about legally, so... Uh, so, so Brie, tell me about yeah. your thoughts on, on Dragon Age Inquisition. You, you tweeted that you were really disappointed in it, and I want to hear okay. why. I just want to give you some background. When Mass Effect 2 came out, I just, I, I thought it was the greatest game ever made. And then a few months later, you know, they came out with Dragon Age uh, Origins. And I played the frack out of that game. I played all the way through it twice. Like, I played through it again on Mac. 
I did every single one of the DLCs. Um, I've played through Dragon Age 2 three times at this point. So I'm a really big Dragon Age fan. Like, I understand the lore. I'm a fan of that universe. Um, I am one of the people that thought Dragon Age 2 was much, much stronger than Dragon Age Origins. Because I felt like it was, you know, I don't play a Bioware game to play Skyrim, which I hate. I, I play it to feel connected to characters and emotions and to to feel a world built around me. Um, what I found really frustrating about Dragon Age Inquisition is what I will call the Skyrimification of Dragon's Age. They're trying to create such a huge canvas for the world, and all the things that make me care about this universe, they got rid of. I would say the biggest example is 90% of the conversations no longer use the, the dialogue wheel and this like cinematic view of it. Uh, it just goes to this crappy third person, like move the camera around, like while you're listening to endless monologues. Like this, this just surreal, terrible, non-cinematic thing that makes me feel just oddly disconnected from the action. The emphasis in Dragon Age is murdering things to a degree that it was not in even the previous games. And I just feel like they are going in the Skyrim-y direction with this series that it, it just takes away everything I loved about it. Now, I feel really torn about this because I think it has some of the strongest writing for women I've ever seen in a video game. Uh, but I think if you take like the the bad hair for the character creator, which we had that a is really bad discussion that about, that is bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know the lack of cinematics as you're talking to people, the kind of poor tutorial. Like as a game designer, I've been very very disappointed with the way they explain the mechanics in that game. I just feel like it's gotten all this hype, and for me personally, it doesn't live up to the series, in my opinion. Well. I get where you're coming from on some of that, but I was pretty disappointed by the combat in Dragon Age 2, and I know I'm not the only person who was, (laughs) and I don't play the games for the combat, but I just comparatively, this one felt a lot more fun to me to play, and there's just, there is a lot of combat to get through, but... And and we actually had this whole conversation about whether the combat is the focus of these games or not. And to me, it isn't. But I found the combat so boring in Dragon Age 2 that it kind of annoyed me. And in mm-hmm. this game, I at least think the combat is kind of fun. That said, I do understand what you're getting at with the Skyrimification of it. But since I don't really like Skyrim that much, I feel like Dragon Age 3 is kind of like the version of Skyrim that I wanted Skyrim to be. And I didn't know that I wanted it to be that until I played this game. And now I'm like, why isn't Skyrim this game? Oh, I guess I'll just play this game. So it's fine. <laughs> so I, I I am enjoying the combat in Inquisition. I'm, I, I think it's fun and I'm probably going to play it again and try some different classes. I've ended up really liking it. So maybe that's just a matter of taste. I I don't know. Gita, do you want to back me up on this at all? (laughs) Well, that's a little bit of a leading way. No, I just know she's the only other person here who's played it. Leading witness, Your Honor. I've I've played some Okay, then maybe nobody will back me up. I've played it as much of this, but I I mean, I just feel like a game in which Vivienne exists is a game that I can't really say is my biggest disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like Vivienne exists and I have strong feelings about her. Yeah, I love her. There's just like not a lot of games where you're going to see black women in speaking roles that can stick around for the whole game. And I kind of just, it's like there's this sketch on SNL 
where um, it's like a daytime talk show with the only black cast members they have on it. And it's like, what basically the gist is, what would Barack Obama have to do to lose our vote? And that's sort of how I feel about Dragon Age Inquisition. It's like, <laughs> well, it could be really, really bad, but I mean, it's not going to lose my vote at all ever because this is like this is like the one game with like a major black female character i mean i think it's an enjoyable game um but this this is about disappointment and i mean there's also the thing about dragon age keep where like i feel betrayed to a certain extent because like i played all the way through like stone warden's keep and all these endless dragon age dlc packs and to have, like, in the entire time I'm playing through them, I'm like, well, this is going to matter for, for a sequel. This is going to matter down the line. And to find out it doesn't matter at all is extremely disappointing. So it's it's not that I'm not saying it's not a good game, because I think it is, and I also love that character. I'm saying I feel like it's it, it really let me down, because I was expecting this to be the game I played all through Christmas and New Year's, and it's just not. I mean, I guess... The other thing is that it depends on where your expectations were for the game, too. I mean, my my expectations weren't as high, but I mean, I'm also kind of disappointed in it in that in a respect for my time perspective, like the, the decision to have the hinterlands be the beginning of the game, I think is really disappointing for I mean, you don't need to lengthen a game like this with a bunch <laughs> of fetch quests and a bunch of yeah. of uninteresting com, uh, content. I think that you can. You can kind of get to it, and I mean, the game's already going to be 60, 80 hours anyway. You don't need to spend the first six to eight of those wandering around the hinterlands doing boring fetch quests. You could be doing that, you know, getting into the game, and I think that that, that's really turned me off and to the point where I really still haven't been able to get into it because it just feels like work to try to get out of that and into the real game, and I think they could have done a better job with that. Yeah. I guess, though— what it would come down to, though, is, but is it your biggest disappointment out of all the games that you have played this year? And I can't say it's my biggest disappointment yeah, out of either. all the games. There are I can some say that games I on here that were pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> right. I would have wanted a little more. I was really upset about the hair. I love, though, the customizability. Um, I didn't like the side quests. I found them also very, very dull. I found the... Um, uh, the, the fighting to be a little bit... Uh, I don't know. It... I don't know, a little bit mash and smash for me, but I don't know if it was the biggest disappointment. I guess I would have maybe wanted more, but what what was everyone's largest disappointment this year? I was going to say, I'm really enjoying Dragon Age. I'm playing it now, and I actually, I watched my girlfriend play the entire thing, and I actually played all the puzzles for her, because she hates puzzles. <laughs> the Astarium <laughs> thing, so I've sort mean? of seen the whole game. Yeah, the sort of, yeah, the, uh, the sort of walking puzzles when it's like you know, the blocks on the ground, you got to light them all up in a certain order, that kind of thing. So I'm really enjoying that game. My only problem with it is that it feels like it doesn't respect my time very much. Kind of like what Steve is saying about like right. you know, the hinterlands, all this fetch quest stuff. That's not entirely why you play a Bioware game. You play it for the good writing. And of course, I want to agree with everybody else saying the uh, the women characters are written really well. I think it's just really nice to... Uh, to be playing a game set in this sort of high fantasy world where, hey, guess what? There's just there's women in armor. There's people of color in armor everywhere. And it's just, you know, it's totally cool. It's totally fine. It's just sort of incidental storytelling that this world does not sort of bow to every kind of crappy stereotype that most mm-hmm. fantasy worlds kind of do. Yeah. And I will say my biggest disappointment, and I think this year... Um, I was looking forward to Watch Dogs, sort of as a uh, <laughs> yeah. former ACLU yeah. person who is interested in things like the surveillance state. And this game came out, and, and it was supposed to be 
this big commentary on, you know, Big Brother is watching and the surveillance state is bad. And it just ends up being this game about a jerk who's not likable in the slightest. <laughs> I have like 400,000 things to say about Watch Dogs, but go yeah. on. <laughs> I know. I want to hear you what you think because I didn't play much of it. I just was so disappointed with like, oh, this is just another kind of whatever action game. It really doesn't say anything. It kind of does the thing. I, it camps to is a YouTube person. I'll, uh, I'll write it down because my accent is going to mangle that name. But uh, Campsta <laughs> is somebody who did a really good video uh, analyzing this, uh, just sort of about how this and another game from uh, a year ago, but uh, Bioshock Infinite is another kind of example of this, of a game that purports to have deep, interesting commentary about a real issue, but really it just sort of has something in the game and doesn't say anything about anything. <laughs> And it uh, really ends up sort of saying the opposite of what it should say, because you're just having fun with the game and not actually uh, interacting with any kind of issue. So please, please go on, Gita, about, uh, about Watch Dogs. I mean, Watch yeah, I saw that Campster video, and I agree with it wholeheartedly, and that's like one huge part of my issue with Watch Dogs. But the other part is that I currently live in Chicago, and at the time that the game was being developed and we started seeing preview stuff, I was living on the south side. I was living in Hyde Park which is where the University of Chicago is. It's like a nice neighborhood. It's where all the bougie black people live in uh, in Chicago, essentially. But I was just really interested in how this game, and they sat, talked so much about how the, the fidelity of the city and the level of research they've done, and the way they present Chicago, especially in its relationship to crime, is insulting and very, like, it's low-key racist. Like, it's not, I'm not saying that they intended to make a commentary on the like segregation of Chicago, which is like a very big and upsetting issue for me. But so they cut out most of the city. So the areas of the city are the downtown area, um, the Gold Coast, which is like a bougie, like um, north side neighborhood. North side neighborhoods are traditionally white. And then they, the only black like minority neighborhood they have in the game is essentially Inglewood which is notorious for gang violence and crime. And there's a wealth of neighborhoods. Like, the thing about Chicago is that it is really difficult to simplify. Neighborhoods go block to block. You can walk through several different neighborhoods in, like, a couple of hours. And they're all very distinctly defined by their culture. In a way, it makes them really perfect for a game. But instead, they did this really gross top-down approach that makes gives players of the game a really gross depiction of the city that... I mean, this is the thing that Campster was talking about. They say they're going to deal with, like, complex issues, but instead they simplify them so that it actually does the opposite of what you think that they're going to do or what the kind of commentary you think they're going to make. Because the impression that you get when you play Watch Dogs is that if you go to the South Side, if you're white, you'll die. And that's just not the case, like, at all. And it's just... It's, it's the difficulty of condensing these cities into these little playable maps and that you have to make these huge generalizations. And it was disappointing to me because that could have been a much more interesting game if you could have the West Side and, you know, South Side neighborhoods like Pilsen and Bridgeport that have really unique histories. And if you go further up north to places like Andersonville or Boys Town, which are huge queer communities or anything at all, but instead it reduces it to, well, Chicago is fine except for the South Side, which is just how everyone sees Chicago anyway. So before I before I respond to that, can I can I say I'm willing to forego Dragon Age on here? Like I I think there are some clear arguments for it. So can we knock that off the list sure. in the interest of time? Sure, we can do that. Um, is, does anyone here have a strong argument for Titanfall? No. 
Okay, so no. I would like to get rid of that. I I really hear what you're saying about Watch Dogs, and I think it 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 really speaks to the flaws in the game that. Uh, there was a, a mod that came out for Grand Theft Auto shortly that, as best as I can tell, completely replicates the very small differences in gameplay between Watch Dogs and Grand Theft Auto, which is basically some magical things on a, on a wheel that you select. Um, so I think it's problematic for a million reasons. I think it's like this perfect storm of Ubisoft-like insensitivity on race and the way the, the women are just not barely present in the game and the the hero is not interesting and you know what Danielle was saying about the surveillance state and the way it portrays race I think all of that is completely valid uh I don't think anyone can claim it's a good game but that is also what I was kind of expecting when I picked it up does that make sense to you that makes sense to me I mean I guess my expectations are high because I love my city so much and I I was hoping for it to be the game that it could be and, you know, I remember when the uh, previews of this game came out, what was it, like two years prior, um, the E3 presentation they did, and we were all like, well, this game will be the first truly next-gen game. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I remembered that hype, and for me, that's, this was my biggest disappointment because it lived up to exactly none of it. Like, no percent of this game was the game that I thought it was going to be. What other, what other games does someone else feel strongly as the game? Um, like, Steve, what is the game that is your biggest disappointment? Uh, the one that I've played or the one that I haven't? Because the one that, I, the one that I've, I've played would be Destiny. The one that I haven't played would be Assassin's Creed because that's, you know, I mean, that's obviously <laughs> a broken game that just wasn't working. And I think that has to – I don't know if any of us have played that, but I think that's something yeah, that – Yeah, I have. Oh, you have? I have, but it wasn't broken when I played it. I was actually really <laughs> – I played, I played Assassin's Creed Unity. And actually, I never got any of the face mapping problems. I never got any of the glitches. It was relatively smooth. And – when uh, my husband actually downloaded I'm like, oh, this is going to be horrible. How could you even download this game? And then he's like, no, 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 look at this. It's, it works really great. And I'm like, no, 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 the face is going. And I'm like, I was actually disappointed that none of the glitches that I was expecting to have happened. That was happened. the disappointment. I was totally upset. And he's like, actually, the gameplay is really nice. And I haven't noticed any of these things. And I'm like, well, that's horrible because I was expecting what? it, but it didn't really happen. You were so- looking for Goat Simulator when you started playing that game is what you were looking for. <laughs> I was hoping for it. I was hoping for it. So I didn't actually, it, none of the actual stuff, it played like a regular Assassin's Creed game. It was, again, I have a really nice computer, so maybe that's, I don't know why, but it was actually pretty good. So I was like, meh, I don't know. It, it didn't live up to the hype or live down to the hype. <laughs> so let's go into Destiny, though. I guess the reason that I was disappointed with Destiny is that I got, the, the beta really got my hopes up a lot right. for it. Where, you know, I was playing it, and I don't typically play first-person shooters a lot anymore. I'm pretty burned down on them. Right. And so I played the beta, and the beta was great. And, you know, you forgive things in a beta because you know that the game is not done, and they're really only showing you a small sliver that they want to use to test whatever they're going to test and to show whatever they're going to show. So, you know, the fact that the story wasn't really fully baked was okay. The fact that there were only a couple of areas to explore were okay. And then I got the game, and it was like the exact same thing, except that I have to slog through all the way from the beginning. And I know that there are some people who love this game, but the thing that they always say is, well, it doesn't really start getting interesting until you get to level 20. 
Okay, well, how long does that take? Well, about 20 hours or so. Yeah, I'm already done by 20 hours. It's like 20 hours. I've played like four or five games normally. Like, that's a huge chunk of time to expect somebody to grind through the quote-unquote less interesting content to get to the good stuff. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it was basically a Halo game in a different setting. And, I mean, the story was... Uh, to say it's bad it's not even really there for the most part i I agree steve i honestly i would say that this game is is worse than a halo game and i i was very disappointed by destiny because i was expecting something on the level of halo in the sense that it would have a story that would be really silly and corny that i could giggle at and be (laughs) slightly invested in but not in any meaningful way but at least there would be something that i'd be following along with but destiny does not offer any of that at all it is just really bare bones in terms of you fight alien that's all that happens forever (laughs) and And that is just not enough to sustain me anymore and actually the people who i know who really like destiny they haven't said stuff like you've got to get to level 20 to me anyway they have said stuff like you've got to have a good group of people to play with and that just isn't how i play halo i'm too used to playing that either by myself or maybe with one other person cooperatively i don't play games in groups of people anymore i just can't i mean like as an adult people don't really have time to schedule their lives that way like i just would rather be able to sit down by myself whenever i want and enjoy a game and destiny just does not offer that much to people who play a shooter that way so I got burned out really quickly on that game and I was very upset because I like bought that day one and I was pretty excited about it, at least matching Halo in terms of my involvement. So for me, that was a big disappointment. I, oh, sorry. I just want to address something that the chat room is saying is that, you know, this is this is an MMO and I think that it is. Th- yeah, th- except it's an MMO in sheep's clothing. Well, MMOs and- <laughs> often have pretty good stories, so like that's really? not an excuse. I, well, World of Warcraft, yeah, Guild Wars, like Guild Wars does too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing with MMOs is that they do have lore that you see on yeah. screen, and like they isn't relegated to like an app or go to your computer to read all of the background on this. You know, yeah, Destiny doesn't have any of that stuff. <laughs> you are expected to not care. Like they, yeah. It's just expecting you to keep yourself motivated, and it's not giving you anything to lead you along, which a lot of MMOs do. Yeah, and it it seems also that for for the game is as you get more powerful, so do the bad guys. So the, really, there's no there's no gain in it for you as you go through levels. It's just as tedious. So you never get that really great feeling of like, whoa, I got this new gun. This is going to be amazing. And it's just like uh, you're like yeah, just. Well, you got a new gun, but now all the other guys have a new gun, too, so who cares? Right. Their armor yeah. levels are just up. And, uh... and I'm somebody who's played through, like, 100 hours of Diablo, which is probably, this is probably closer to Diablo in terms of, yeah, of how it is than, than a true MMO. I, th- I think that Diablo has, I don't think Diablo 3 is super interesting either, which I've said on this show before, right. but I think that Diablo 3 has more finely tuned the art of keeping you... F- your endorphins mm-hmm. pumping by just giving you just enough of that new gear feeling and the sort of sparkly look ahead to the next thing. Somehow destiny's cocktail of those elements just did not work for me for whatever reason. Yeah, for I just too. could not stay interested. Whereas Diablo three, I can mindlessly click through that for hours and be like, where did the day go? I hate myself. <laughs> destiny didn't actually manage to trick me into doing that <laughs> at all. So I would say it failed across the board for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. think with Destiny for me, uh, I apparently played it. My girlfriend 
tells me I had my hands on the controller and I was playing this game, but I do not remember one second of playing this game. Like literally, I, I'm trying to uh, to remember, and I just feel like when something is that forgettable, and I remember most games that I play. I, mo- I remember most bad games that I play. I remember most mediocre games that I play. I have you know some memory that I actually spent time with something, but uh, I I literally don't remember one second of playing this game. Yeah. So I think that's pretty disappointing. I, I really agree with that. I strongly agree with that. I, I feel like this is where like my my scrum master like pragmatist comes out. And I think like I mean, it's clear does anyone else here have a, a strong argument about lightning returns being a disappointment because I know Maddie liked it? I no. I understand why it would be a disappointment though. Okay. Even though I liked it, it's very strange. Very strange. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm. I don't know that we can argue about it. It's okay. So out of practicality, uh, I think we should take that off the list. And okay. Far Cry Four. Uh, am, am I the only person here that has strong feelings about Far Cry Four? Oh, I hate it. But you know, I don't. It wasn't a disappointment because <laughs> I knew I was going to hate it. <laughs> I actually kind of liked it. I I kind of had fun with it too. I did. Lie. I kind of liked it in a really bad way. Like I wanted to hate it because I thought I should. <laughs> but I, I found it a little. I found it a little bit entertaining. I liked the characters because they were so off the wall and horrible, but it was almost comical because they were so, I don't know. I was like, I really feel like a bad person because I should hate this game. <laughs> I, I mean, so my mom teaches post-colonial literature, so I have a lot of very theory-ish reasons about disliking Far Cry 4 and disliking Far Cry 3 and 4 as this sort of portion of this franchise. But that would be a whole other podcast, essentially, yeah. for me to get into that. <laughs> Let's have that podcast. That's I, fair. I would love to do yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have you back for that. That sounds so, like a good yeah. Post-colonial yeah. Like lit a podcast, show. great. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's take let's take Far Cry Four off that list in the in the interest of expediency here. So, so should we right. vote? I mean, how do we want to yeah, do this? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, um, I'm voting Destiny. I'll vote as Destiny my too. Personal biggest disappointment. I'm voting Destiny as well because I expected it to be awesome. I want to say, like, I really understand where you're coming from with Watch Dogs. And I, I think one of the problems, you know, I think we're going to run into this with Wolfenstein too, mm-hmm. is, you know, isometric, the whole reason I started this podcast is I wanted different people to have voices. And I think one of the, the faults of this podcast is a lot of us are coming from the same kind of background, which is a minority in the industry. But... So I just want to tell you when you're like criticizing the the racial elements of Watch Dogs, I I really hear you there, and I think it's valid. Just like when Steve starts talking about the positive representation of Wolfenstein, like I I really hear you and agree that's yeah. important. I, I don't um, expect it to win as long as you let me talk right. about it for a few minutes, sure. and that's fine. But but <laughs> but for me personally, I have to agree that Destiny was the for me. I, I would say Dragon Age was for me more, but I think Destiny is a, a choice we can all get on board with here. So. Yeah. I'm not going to argue Destiny wasn't a total piece of butt. So, <laughs> does it win the fanda poop? It I, apparently does. Apparently it does. I think it does. I think it yeah. has a majority. Okay. So we have to like make a fanda. We have to send it, right? Is that what we're going to do? Oh, yeah, we have to send it. Okay. Okay. Make a fanda poop. GDC this year. I will hand them. That's not very hygienic. Yeah. I don't think we should be mailing poop to people. Well, it's not going to be real poop. Well, let's send them some It's going to be like FEMO or something. Okay, we'll figure something out. So let's move on to games that didn't suck. And <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, is that the next... That's, is that what the actual next... Uh, well, so the next... That is called? So the next, uh, the next category is for best, uh, best representation in a game. So 
we have on the list, we have Bayonetta 2, uh, Wolfenstein, The New Order, Never Alone, Captain Toad, and Dragon Age Inquisition. I'll talk about Wolfenstein because it's it was something, and I, I had to write a blog post just to get my thoughts, like, organized about it. Because I know mm-hmm. we've we've had a couple of conversations, and I know Bree completely played the game and, and hates it. Yep. <laughs> and that's okay. It's really not. <laughs> it's offensive to my culture is what it is that you um but the the reason the thing with wolfenstein is that there are i can probably count on two hands the number of games that actually even have jewish characters and i can count on one hand the number of jewish characters that are not complete caricatures i mean the, the games that you think of are there's the jewish mafia and grand theft auto which is you know is not going to be the, the best <laughs> representation in any game whatsoever there's the Jew class in South Park, which uh, oh God. there there's a, there's an attack called that the Circumcise, which is yeah no, uh, it's South Park. I yeah, mean, if you've is. watched South Park ever, you know the kind of things they're going to do. And I mean, they they it depends on how you're going to take it. I'm not really a fan of what they're doing, so whatever. And then there's a game called the Shiva, which is like a 2006 point and click adventure, which is stars a rabbi. I've heard it's really good, though. I I played it. I'm not a big fan of it. And it's oh, it, really? it okay. kind of goes a little bit overboard. Like <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> the cursor is literally a Jewish star. All right. Cool. <laughs> I get what you're saying. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, maybe if I played through it more, I would like it. But it's it's it tries a little bit too hard. But what this what happens and we're spoiling things now. So, you know, if that bothers you, then, you know, Skip come forward. back. Don't listen to the yeah. show. Yeah, we're going to be spoiling a lot of things in the show. <laughs> just probably. in general. Don't yeah. listen. Not just for this, <laughs> yeah. but just, yeah. You already downloaded no. it, so now is a great time to stop listening. Yeah. No, just skip, uh, skip forward. Skip forward. So, so what happens is that um, about halfway through the game, there's a scene where they the whole thing is that the, the Nazis have won the war, and they've kind of rebuilt the world in their image, and now B.J. Blaskowitz is escaped from an asylum after he was catatonic for 15 years, and now he's going out to meet up with the resistance and topple the Nazis. And about halfway through the game, they come to find out that all this concrete that they've been building everywhere has this giant flaw in it, and if they can get this engineer who knows something about it to out of a concentration camp because he's Jewish, then they can they can kind of start turning the tide. So they go to this concentration camp, and I was, like, super nervous when I rem- we I remember at the time I was talking about it, like I hadn't gotten to the concentration camp yet, and I was nervous about it. And they they handled it like really respect- respectfully, which I was surprised in like a broish first person shooter like this that they actually res- you know they didn't have him just go in guns blazing. He had to like infiltrate it and be kind of experience the the concentrate the work camp as it was. And then you meet this guy Set Roth, and he. He, it's the first time that I've ever heard somebody speak either Hebrew or Yiddish in a video game ever and speak it correctly. And there's even little things like the accent that he uses is an accent that's really not used anymore, but was used by a lot of Eastern European Jews, especially in, in that era. And he uses that accent correctly. And it was really <laughs> like a very tiny detail that was really easy to miss that they absolutely picked up on. And you get through it and then you come to find out that the the reason that they that the Nazis have all this technology is because of this Jewish mystical society that's actually got access to all this technology that's like two, three hundred years ahead of time. And they're the reason that both that the Nazis won the war and that, and that you're able to use that technology 
to turn the tide and and topple the Nazi regime. And so that just showing Jews and Judaism in like a strong way and not being like the Howard from the Big Bang Theory and right. not like the the yeah. nerdy like weak uh, either weak or just outright evil and greedy but actually just showing like a strong character and and paying respect to it. It it really mean, meant a lot to me, and so mm-hmm. I thought that this is something that you really don't see ever. So I really just wanted to call out attention to it. And okay. I totally get how you would say that for a best representation that that would be valid. Though oh, yeah. I didn't God. enjoy the game in and of itself, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I actually did like the game. I don't normally like first person shooters, and for some reason, it clicked for me. If if it didn't, I wouldn't even have gotten to this point because this is well right. into the game that all this stuff happens. So I actually did enjoy the game itself. I thought the story in general was good, and it had a lot of instances where it made you feel helpless in a way that a lot of these games don't. It didn't feel like a Call of Duty game, but yeah, I mean, I understand that, and that's why I'm not even trying to put it on the list for you know AAA game of the year. But I felt like this was something that was really I've never seen before. Yeah, and it right. and it made me feel really proud to be a Jew and and to play this game. So that that's something that really spoke to me. Well, it's the thing about representation when you're missing it, you don't really know that you're missing it until you see exactly. something that resonates with you so deeply. I this is a dumb example, but I always talk about um, when I was a kid watching Boy Meets World, where Sean was dating Angela. That was like the first time that I understood that like white men can actually be attracted to black women, which was an important thing for me growing up in Connecticut obviously. And it like changed it like everything for me. And it's really silly. But like when you do research and do representation in a respectful and accurate way, it can have a huge effect on the children and adults that, you know, interact with your media. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So can I make an argument for, for a different game? Sure. Yeah. For this? Okay. So I'm going to start with one. I just, I just want to note it because I thought it was very cleverly done. And it's why I added it to this list. But then I'll do that very quickly and get to the, the game I want to talk about. So <laughs> Captain Toad, I played that this weekend. I beat it. <laughs> it's I actually, so good. It's adorable it's game. so good. It's adorable it's game. so good. good. And it represents... It represents toadstools really well and in a positive way. <laughs> whereas, whereas usually fungi are really talked bad of and right. lives on dead things and not very intelligent and doesn't really get the respect that they deserve. And that they don't That's know true. that it also it's a bad things. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, just to just to and again, spoilers. Just assume that this spoilers episode is going Captain to spoiler. It's <laughs> true, though. I know what it's you're going to say, it. and I it's love true. what you're about to say. And uh, I thought this was so cool. Now, listen, this is not complete fifty-fifty representation because it's Captain Toad on the box and not Toadette. But what happens is you play chapter one and like you boot it up and Steve was talking about how his children were so disappointed because Toadette gets kidnapped and Captain Toad has to go save her. And it's like, how many freaking Nintendo games have we done this with at this point in 2014? Like I, this happened for Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS. I nearly threw it across the room because I'm just so tired of this trope. But what is really awesome is um, a few more (laughs) levels into the game 
game, you rescue Toadette, and then Toad gets kidnapped, and then mm-hmm. Toadette has to go. Like, there's this really great scene of her strapping a uh, headlamp onto her head and going and rescuing him instead. And, you know, like, something that really irritates me is in talking about the very serious problems that the game industry has with the representation of women, mm-hmm. the hiring of women, diversity in general. Like, people tend to think that this is like about, you know, female supremacy (laughs) in a way. And it's not, it's just about wanting equal representation. And I thought this game was really notable for a Nintendo game for, for doing that. Do you guys know where I'm coming from? Absolutely. Can I give you, can I just give you the, the, the flip side of that? Having played this with girls of the age where this game was, was aimed at is that, I, and I'm not I'm not doubting what you're saying, and obviously this isn't my experience, so I'm not trying to discredit that. But just seeing it through their eyes, mm-hmm. I know that first of all they were the the levels that you can play as Captain Toad are the easier levels, which are the ones that they would be able to play on their own. So by the time that you got to Toad at, they the levels were beyond the point where they could actually finish them. Right. And Aww. when we got mm-hmm. through chapter two with me helping, mostly me playing because they couldn't get they couldn't really do it anymore. They were crestfallen when Toad when Toadette got captured mm-hmm. again. So Aww. I know that, you know, that that kind of gets resolved a little bit longer. But they were really upset that they were so happy that they were able to play Toadette and then Toadette was taken away from them again. Right. 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 So right. Uh, just from an implementation standpoint, I know where you're getting from. But I know from watching them play it, it was actually almost i don't want to say it was worse than if they weren't able to play as toadette at all but it was it was really disappointing to them seeing them play through it that way and, mm. and i hear where mm. you're coming from but yeah. i i have to say this like something that happens when you talk to parents of children about games is they universally assume their children are the the use case for it right, and, right. and and that's not the case and yep. i actually don't think this is a game aimed at children I think this game is actually far easier than, say, Super Mario 3D World. Uh, so I think it, the difficulty level for me seems very commensurate with other Nintendo games. And But yeah, that said, as I said at the beginning, it is Captain yeah. Toad on the box and not Toadette. So it's it's clearly not equal. They were clearly not willing yeah. to start off the gate with that. It's a step in the right direction. It, it's least. a step in the right Absolutely. direction. Yeah. Did Nintendo yeah. say something interesting about gender also when they were they talking did. about the Toads? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. said that all of the Toadstools are born as sort of gender neutral and then they choose whether or not what their gender representation is, you know, they decide. Which is also like a good. I mean, I don't know if that's in game. I have. I don't have a Wii U, so I haven't played. Captain. I don't think so. No. I. Uh, I was just writing a thing today that uh, hopefully will go be going up somewhat soon uh, about sort of best women characters overall in games this year, and uh, I. I kind of with Captain Toad and with most of Nintendo's first party games this year, you could play as a woman character in just about everything. Uh, and I actually thought that was a really nice little, you know, very subtle step in the right direction. But I was just sort of thinking when I was a little girl, uh, you know, it was pretty much super Mario brothers two yeah. and the Metroid games. And that was yeah. about it that I could actually play as a woman character like ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was uh, Dixie Kong in Donkey Kong country, tropical freeze there mm-hmm. were uh, obviously the Mario Kart and Smash Brothers games. You can play multiple women characters and even Hyrule Warriors, which I know didn't get that much attention. But there were a lot of women characters in that game. And uh, I had actually happened to uh, interview the developers of that game at E3 this year. And they were talking about how they were really happy and proud to sort of uh, have more fighting women uh, in the game and have Zelda be, you know, kind of an ass kicker instead of just somebody who uh, just, you know, sits in the palace all day. So... 
It was there was sort of a small but uh, visible step forward. I feel like for Nintendo in their first party games this year. Yeah, I think I read something that they they learned a lot from Animal Crossing, and they were taking a lot of lessons from from the what they learned from Animal Crossing and and how many how many women bought that game and tried to bring those into the rest of their games. So nice. Well, another game that I also thought had a really nice representation was um, Never Alone, which I really loved and I got just because I looked at the little preview thing and I'm like, this is adorable. And you play as a young Inuit girl with her little friend, Arctic Fox. I thought that it was a beautiful representation. I think that there's very few games that show Inuit as like a strong character and something playable. And I think it was also a beautiful representation visually. And um, it's an adorable game. And I thought that that was also something that was a really nice game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's the kind of game that I there was a few of them this year like that in Valiant Hearts and where they were actually going out of the way about teach you something you didn't know yeah. while you were playing the game yeah. and to expose this whole other culture that most of us really only know like caricatures of like my right. it's funny because as we were playing this like the same day that my that that Maureen and I were playing this one of the kids came home with like e words and one of them was supposed to be Eskimo and my wife actually wrote a letter to the teacher like yeah this that's not what they're called anymore and you might want to look about getting an updated worksheet for the kids I mean it was from like 1971 or something like that so I I, they're just probably reusing it but but it's it's that kind of thing that you know they that culture never really gets any any understanding of what they are beyond the fact that they wear parkas and and to to learn a lot about that culture and to kind of experience when they're fables was was fantastic and it's an entertaining game where the where the difficulty level if you're at least if you're playing in co-op really is very accessible for a lot of people yeah i think it's really nice that uh i interviewed those developers a little bit too at e3 and they really actually did their homework you know they kind of did uh very they actually went up to be with the tribe, to actually speak with the elders of the tribe wow. so that they got the law correct. Oh, really, really. That. They worked hand in hand. Yeah. Really, that really strong. up on my list then. Oh, totally. The like, they That's really so did their cool. homework. And it, they did the kind of things that we always say, you know, we, whatever, you know, sort of progressive people in games media always say, like, actually talk to real people about their experiences and, and try to, like, you know, show cultures with respect for, for what they actually are and how people actually live. So... They they got a lot of uh, credit from me for for doing things right in that way. Yeah, it's um also really shows the value of games as a pedagogical tool. Like it's it is a game that is a game. Like it's not like the education games of our youth where it's just sort of not Number really crunchers. good. Yeah, just <laughs> I, I had this weird math game that was like Halloween themed, and it didn't make me better at math at all. And I because <laughs> I just couldn't understand the game mechanics. It just didn't work for me. But this game like has like a mini documentary in it, and it's very well produced. And you see like IRL, like the real like artifacts and hear from people belonging to this culture about their own culture and it's it's also just a great game that shows you a great fable and it's games can be used to teach people things other than how to beat the game and they're very effective at it i mean it's funny because the oregon trail came out came out like how long ago and it seems like that template really hasn't been used a lot up until like just recently, it seems like people are starting to like developers are starting to learn that they can use that and make an entertaining game, but also teach you something along the way. I didn't learn anything about the Oregon Trail from Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> you, you must have at least learned that cholera was a thing, though, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, caulking your boat so that you can float over the river. I mean, that's something. Learning how deep rivers are and whether or not people <laughs> drown in them. I learned a lot. So can I can I can I make an argument for for one last game on this list? Let's do um, it. I've been waiting for you to speak of this game, actually, Bree. I'm waiting. Oh well, I think I think we could probably take Bayonetta two off the list. Okay, um, fair enough. I I like that game, and Maddie and I have had many conversations about it. I am annoyed by how many dudes write me on Twitter every day talking about their problems with Bayonetta. I don't care. <laughs> that game's great. Shut up. Uh, so, <laughs> Ditto. so yeah. stop talking to me about Bayonetta right. if you're right. a dude. Sorry. I don't want to she talk kicks to you. Jet. I didn't realize that was a problem. I'm sorry. Right, okay. Steve, uh, I'll talk to you about it. Yeah. yeah. But okay. if you are somebody I don't know, just just go bug your mom about Bayonetta. <laughs> so, so for me, I think the clear winner this year for for this is Dragon Age. And let me, because I think it fills a lot of boxes in a way I've never seen done before. It, it seems to me that almost every reviewer and a lot of the video game press I've talked to or have seen talking about it have universally praised the game's writing of women. And, you know, Steve, you're talking about for Wolfenstein, how that, that moment that, um, you know, you heard something you'd never heard before and it really struck something within you. For me, at the beginning of that game, where you have Leliana and like all these people around, like a bunch of women around a table planning an attack and assembling a, a force to go you know, take care of a problem. Yeah. And they weren't naked. <laughs> it was, it was, or partially naked. Or partially. And it just hit something in me. It was, I mean, obviously with what I do for a living, like seeing women step up, be leaders and solve problems and, and take agency and then not be the freaking girlfriend or love interest or damsel in distress. It made me so unbelievably happy yeah. to, to see that. And, you know, like we've talked about uh, Vivian in this game, how what a wonderful character she is, like the personality, the design, like, you know, her being a black character in this game or Jennifer Hale's performance is like a a transgender male. Like that is that is uh, like, do you have any idea how horrible and disappointing like the lineage is of transgender representation in games like Poison is the best it gets. Like poison. (laughs) Yeah, and they have really screwed poison up and only recently have have worked with Glad to try to do a better job. Right, right. And you know, like she's this you know, sex worker stereotype. And there's a mm-hmm. there's a longer conversation about you know why transgender women are forced into sex work. It's not because yeah. you typically want to do that. So I think like for so many reasons. I think Dragon Age is the very clear winner this year. And and just if for nothing else to see a studio culture that so heavily prizes diversity and taking this stuff seriously. Every writer I know that works at Bioware deeply cares about this stuff. And they think about it a lot. And they're just flat out awesome on it. And I just... It's so clear to me this game needs to be rewarded for it. Does does that make sense to you guys? I fully I fully agree. I actually, when I first started playing it, because I played a female lead, and when I first saw Cassandra, I was like, 
I asked my husband because he played a male character when he started. I said, was actually, was she your, also your main character that you were speaking to? And I was just so in shock and so excited. I'm like, holy Lord, like, this is great. And they're, I, I absolutely agree. I just think that the representation of women, of LGBT, of inclusivity of different colors, and the way that they handle it is fabulous. You know, I also, I read something bad interesting hair. about the, the, the bad hair. It's really bad. <laughs> bad it's hair. really, really bad hair. There's <laughs> um, something interesting about the development of Viviana in particular is that she was envisioned as a blonde, blue-eyed woman, white woman. And they changed it in the middle. And I think this is like a really good example of like why sometimes the idea of meeting quotas isn't necessarily bad. I think Viviana is more interesting as a black woman. I think there is like... There, it's not to say that black people are inherently different than other races, but there is like cultural signifiers and cultural like hangups that do come with being black, especially a black woman, especially a black woman in a position of power. And yeah. Vivienne as a white woman is just not the same or as interesting a character as Vivienne as a black woman. Like I do this little exercise sometimes when I'm bored, which is, you know, just games that would be more interesting if their protagonists weren't white. And like, you know, there's a thousand of them. Like, Nathan Drake would be way more interesting as a not-white guy, I think. And, you know, I'm yeah. just always... Like, think about it. I mean, especially in spoilers, you know, in the last game they revealed that he was adopted. And just like, I'm sorry, white kids usually do get adopted. And it just... I don't know. It's more interesting as to tell a narrative about an adopted person of color doing incredible things in their adult life. Rather than you know, absolutely, uh, you know your average video game lead. I, I feel like I have to say here, I was adopted into a nightmare racist Southern family of religious <laughs> extremists. So yeah, not always the best thing, you know. But but yeah, I know of course, like that doesn't always happen. But just statistically speaking, a lot more children of color end up in foster care in the United States. And so you know, it's just Dragon Age and Bioware is a really good example of just making good, thoughtful choices during development about representation. And I think it's they're doing the most conscious work yeah. of, about that. Yeah. Cool. cool. I, I think they should win. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with that, I'm actually. Still gonna vote for, I'm still going to vote for Wolfenstein because I have to, but I'm, That's fair. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hey, so this is the end of part one of our Game of the Year Spectacular. The the full thing ended up being three hours, so we figured we would break it up over two weeks rather than dropping one three-hour-long episode on you during the uh, holiday break. So we will be back with part two where we talk about the best handheld, mobile, indie, AAA, and overall Game of the Year. But until then, uh, as always, you can find the show notes for this show and every show at 5x5.tv slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. Thank you for tweeting about the show. We're not going to have a pokey wrap this week, but uh, we do appreciate everybody who's been talking up the show. And uh, you can also uh, rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, you can send us email to feedback at isometricshow.com. Or you can follow uh, all of us on Twitter. Uh, the show's account is at Isometric Show. I am at Wicked Good. Bree is at Space Cat Cal. Maddie is at Samus Clone. And Georgia is at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Come back next week to hear uh, what we think about all the rest of the games of the year. And we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Yeah.